0: blue chip defensive back Kenton Kirkland commits to the good guys today we talk about that and preview some offensive positions on Locked On Seminoles you are Locked On Seminoles your daily podcast
1: on the Florida State Seminoles part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today in the Zoom room we got Mr. David Wise, Davy. What's going on? What's cooking? Good looking.
0: Every day after or of and after we get a commitment, especially from a four star, is a happy day.
1: It's a happy, happy day. and Of course, Dave is talking about Kenton Kirkland, aka Agent K, aka KJ Kirkland, out of Rains High School in Jacksonville, Florida. He's a three-star by a 247 composite, but 247 themselves has him as a four-star recruiter. And, folks, as you know, 247 is the preeminent recruiting industry in the country for right now. And, Dave, this is a six-foot, one-and-a-half-inch kid, yep. one to pounds with a, get this, a 77-inch wingspan. So yep. we're, you can definitely see the sort of the longer rangy cornerbacks with Sam McCall the previous class along with Azaria Thomas. Dave, what do you make of this commitment on this Tuesday afternoon? Well, actually, it happened yesterday on Monday night, but Tuesday as we're recording this.
0: Well, there's two big things that stand out about Kirkland. One is his wingspan. That kid just has arms for days, so he's going to get in passing lanes. He's going to play taller than he actually is, and he's already tall. Uh, for a safety at six one and a half right now.
1: Well, he's gonna, that, he's, he's been recruited as a defensive back, so he's sure a defensive back, right? Right. And corner, so actually he's going to be a little bit of a Swiss Army knife for the defensive secondary.
0: Maybe another Xavier Rhodes type. That'd be great. Um, But it's not just that. The dude got bronze in the 400 meter I in States uh, l- l- this spring. That's, that's crazy impressive for a kid. That's six, one and a half. That's obviously focused on football, has a lot of good weight on him. Still more to go. Those, those are those long arms and fast are tools. You can't teach for a defensive back.
1: It is. And it's also like kind of nice to see where we, again, I know this is kind of like, you know, where FSU is at the time. We went up against Kentucky. Now, for those of you who don't remember, we lost out a another four-star defensive back in Avery Stewart to Kentucky about a month and a half ago. Even though, in my personal opinion, that came a little more towards the, uh, I want to say, the NIL sort of aspect. Right. And you do know, you see, with Kentucky and with Louisville, you kind of it's harder to compete with them. And then you also got to wonder, like, you know, are you going to be priced out of certain athletes? And also, is the price going to be worth it to make the investment down the line? Now, with Kenton Kirkland, to me, it shows that, Marcus Woodson still has it. We've been worried about his recruiting prowess since the Travis Hunter situation, which, I mean, I get it. You lose out the number one recruit in the country and also probably the best recruit you'll ever have, but then you see sort of basically a puzzling sort of strategy when it comes to defensive back recruiting, whether it be in the transfer portal or the high school ranks. So it's really nice to to finally see Marcus Woodson come away with a W, especially a kid of this kind of caliber.
0: Yeah, and obviously Florida State has a rich lineage of both historically and of late of churning out defensive backs into the NFL. Um, and this kid, I'm I mean, I'm gonna say I'm not gonna call him Durbin James or anything, but he has you size.
1: last season, man. We can do a whole right, whole right.
0: But again, you can't you can't teach speed at six, one and a half with with a wingspan like that. That's gonna he should be somebody that has an impact potentially early on, just purely due to his size and speed combo. Um but, you know, it's funny because if you go and look at his profile on like 247, for example, and you look at the schools listed under Florida State, I, I could see a lot of fans, especially, you know, those prone on Twitter to hyperbole in terms of being negative about us. Awful lot of it out there. And you'll see we, we've done it. Yeah, <laughs> we, have, we, have. we have done it. We're being like here. the perpetual <laughs> negative people. And you know who I'm talking about. Uh, you know, you see Akron, Austin, PA, Cincinnati, and UConn. Like normally that's not a list you ever want Florida state lumped in with. That doesn't tell the full story. This kid uh, should be a baller at Florida state. Um, Jacksonville is an area that we have had trouble recruiting historically for obvious reasons uh, tends to be a feeder, the whole damn city for UF mm-hmm. who, is recruiting as much as I hate Billy Napier and I don't trust his evaluations or don't have a reason to yet. um, Florida's recruiting well and Miami's recruiting even better. And we got to keep up with the Joneses. The the race is on uh, to get someone in the state of Florida back. And it's going to happen. Some one or more schools in the state of Florida is going to be back. And if we want it to be us first, it starts with Landon blue chip prospects.
1: One. It's pronounced Austin P, not Austin PA. Oh, I wanted to it. correct you, but I know how much you love with your mispronunciations. But two, I'm right there with you. I think with this pickup actually at Jacksonville, Jacksonville, as you were saying before, is primarily a heavy leaning University of Florida kind of recruiting hotbed. That's why when we got Demarcus Walker out of there, I want to say almost a decade ago, that was a big recruiting win for us. Yep. But then you'll see now Miami is getting into there now as well. UF, I think, has had a few commitments from this past class there. And right now it's going to show. It's nice where that's happening because Dave, about a month ago, you and I were very, I guess, down or a little more, I guess, a little more down than most on the yep. recruiting aspect of this. I think last month we were in the mid to early uh to low 40s when it comes to 247s and also on threes. Now, sneakily, FSU has the 21st ranked recruiting class per 247 sports, and you have the 18th recruiting class per on three. What does this do? I guess basically. Or your perception on the state of Florida State recruiting as of right now, heading into the season.
0: Well, there there's a lot of good to take from that. Obviously, anytime you're higher in the rankings, that's a good thing. Uh, but uh, again, Florida and Miami are seemingly recruiting really well right now, and we've long talked about the lifeblood of the program uh, in in terms of recruiting. Just the last half decade, it it hasn't panned out. Like under Willie, we had. Probably gotten some good players in who whose development was how do I put it nicely, stunted by the coaching that they had at the time. And so far under Mike Norvell, um, I think we wish we have been recruiting better. He he wasn't known to be like some elite Florida recruiter or recruiter in general when he came in. So to see us getting closer back closer to like uh, a 50% or higher blue chip ratio right now on the composite, we have six, four stars, eight, uh, three stars. So getting closer by the day to uh, an even split in terms of the blue chip ratio, almost at a 90, even in terms of the average um, recruit ranking. And if we're going to get back, it's going to obviously require us to make bowl games, but The quality starts with the players, and if we're not recruiting at a high level, like if we're recruiting like we have been the last couple years, two, three years, it's not going to get us to where we want to be. We can be top 25. That's not good enough for most Florida State fans. So got to keep this up. This isn't the end that we need to see more blue chip commitments.
1: And I'm right there with you. And not only do we need to see, I guess, more blue-chip commitments, but I also need to see basically the talent basically to spread out a little bit more when it comes to the recruiting rankings. Right now we are 21st in the country, and I love how basically we're developing these blue-chip prospects with Keldrick Falk in the fold, like Lucas Simmons basically. So basically trenches are fine. Defensive backs are starting to shape up a little bit more with Quindarius Jones who might be a steal. And then with this addition with Ken Kirkland. What I need to see now is basically – Randy Shan finally closing the commitment on a Blake Nicholson out of Manteca, California. I need to see. I want to probably maybe one more wide receiver.
0: Hikeem Williams.
1: Hikeem Williams will be great to add alongside Dravius Jacobs and Golden Lawrence. And I hate to say it, I need to see at least one quarterback from the high school ranks join this yep. class. Agreed. Chris Parsons gone. Brock Glenn went to Ohio State. And so I need to see basically Mike Norvell and Tony Torquas by extension actually basically picking up a commitment and to me if i'm them i go to miami talk to emory williams the milk the kid out of milton florida the qb commit and be like hey Jaden rashad is gonna be your number one option because Jaden rashad is a very damn talented kid we don't have a qb committed right now why don't you come over here to us because also we were the first to offer you or at least trying to test the waters in that because that kid out of milton florida is extremely talented
0: yeah the thing you said that resonates most with me is recruiting or having a high school quarterback in the fold. Um, that is what Willie Taggart got absolutely killed for in his time here. And it set us back. We did get AJ Duffy great pull by Mike Norvell. Um, and I expect him to have a bright future here as a starter sooner than later. Um, but you can't just have one, one quarterback. Um, just remember Jameis James Winston sat behind EJ Manuel for a little bit. So, you know, it, you got to have multiple in the fold every every year. Florida State used to be good, uh, or used to be among the elite teams, finishing top five every year. We had an elite or a very very good quarterback with a soon to be elite or very very good quarterback sitting behind them learning, and we got to get back to doing that to having guys sitting there learning for a year or two, coming in, repeat, rinse, say, and we gotta understand. Have it.
1: And we understand too that this QB isn't going to impact the team at all to maybe 2025, like further down the road. But it's more that we need the death purposes because right now, as much as we love JT, he only has two scholarship QBs behind him because Mm -hmm. Joe Purdy transferred out. AJ Duffy is a true freshman, which I don't think any of us, if you listened to the episode yesterday, is comfortable with him with the range. And then you have Tay Rodemaker, which we don't know where he is developmentally wise. So right now, we need basically for death purposes the total amount of prospects in the fold. And, folks, with college football season around around the just around the corner, we'd be, be remiss to remind you here at Locked On so to basically be careful out there when you're going out, tailgating, enjoying the game at, in your favorite, favorite watch party or your favorite bar because, folks, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but then you're like, nah, you live nearby, you can make good homes okay, it's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyways? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you toll your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. That still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel and while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. If you think you're okay to drive, drive after a few drinks, think again play it safe and plan about getting a ride. It only takes one minute to change your life or someone else's forever. So folks drive sober or get pulled over.
0: All right. And coming back, we are ready to talk some offensive position previews. Yesterday we did quarterbacks go back. I think it's worth a listen. Um, And today we're going to talk running backs and receivers, but there's some interesting news that just came up and it impacts both positions. Drake. Joshua Burrell is a receiver, a big, strong receiver. We talked about him, I think, last week as arguably one of the stronger players on the team, definitely pound for pound, one of the strongest players on the team.
1: And also and, one of our favorite recruits, too, from the last class.
0: Right. We we all really like Josh Burrell. We're huge fans here, um, and you should be, too. And interesting personnel move. Drake, tell the listeners what happened with Josh Burrell today. So
1: Mike Novell officially announced today, unfortunately, that C.J. Campbell, the preferred walk-on running back, did suffer a season-ending injury today. Which I'm not gonna lie to you, I was super stoked to see him actually probably hit the field because the one thing I do trust Mike Novell about is his running back evaluations. Look at his time in Memphis with Tony Pollard, Antonio Gibson, and Daryl Henderson. So now to I guess alleviate the blow and probably give him some playing time, Joshua Burrell is getting some run as a hybrid wide receiver running back, and he actually saw. He actually performed very well in practice today, was showing a clear ability to hit the hole, shed some tackles, which is not surprising because Dave, as he said last week, is probably one of your strongest players on your team. So to me, this is probably a huge, huge upside pickup and probably a sky's the limit kind of thing with Joshua Burrell kind of completing the four horsemen of the runpocalypse alongside Trey Benson, TreShaun Ward and Lawrence Toffoli in the backfield. Absolutely. It's
0: it's exciting because we've we've been excited about his potential as a receiver, but out of the backfield, obviously a threat to catch the ball uh, more than a threat uh, our best receiving running back right away, considering he's a receiver, Um, but he is big and strong. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. He's, you know, all these Alabama running backs that they just seem to have three on the roster of at all times. But
1: and Jimmergate comes in from transfer portal too. Just you know, the rich and Richard, right?
0: Unfair, but Josh Burrell is potentially unfair at the running back position if he can get a hold of it, a hold of it, uh, and if he can, you know, not run too high because he's going to be really tough to bring down. Like we said, that kid is big and strong. He's fast enough if he can learn that position. He's a perfect complement to what we have um, because we have an awful lot. We're, we're going to get into running backs now. We have an awful lot of small or light, fast guys. Um, Lawrence Toafili is, is not your starter, but he's going to get a lot of reps. And he is he is not very big, you could say. Um, Trayshawn Ward isn't a bulldozer of a running back. Um, Trey Benson, we expect to be our bell cow running back. He's not, he's not are massive. You sure,
1: are you sure? He's a pretty, he's a pretty, pretty big kid. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to push back a little bit on that. Cause Trey Benson, I kind of see as a little more of the thunder to uh traditional wars lightning with okay. the size. Let me, let, me, let me pull up his stats for Hold
0: on. Yeah, please. Uh, and while, while you're doing that, Josh Burrell, I think is a different size than that. Like, like he, I, I would expect him to immediately be our strongest running back and, you know, say what you will about like Carlos Williams and James Wilder and their decisions to play running back. But there was a, there was definitely a use for them in our offense. Um, Having that guy that you know on third and one is going to fall forward for a yard because he's just that strong. There is absolutely a use for that, especially if you can wing him out of the backfield and have him going out for a pass that you expect him to catch.
1: So Trey Benson, as I was looking at six foot one, 215 pounds, which I wouldn't be, I think he's at a little bit heavier now, but also with ball camp, you're probably going to lose some of that weight. So I'll probably stick with 215. Treshawn Ward, you're right. A little bit of your smaller back. He's listed at five foot ten. He's one hundred ninety two pounds. Yep. But to, so to me, I love this. You know, kind of this play calling. Well, play call and, well, it's like all this this personnel decision because it kind of doesn't you know complement the four. And then also sometimes you do have Jakai Douglas go out, also out in the backfield and move from the backfield as well on a lot of his uh, uh, his famous wheel routes. So to me, this kind of goes to what micro venture funding asked actually earlier, earlier today in the comments that. Does FSU have a top three rushing attack in the ACC? And to me, I think that with the combined efforts of all four that we have now, including someone that you know you were high on when he committed with Rodney Hill, yeah, who also probably can get some burn later down the year. Yep. To me, I think collectively they can beat out a Will Shipley in Clemson. They can beat out a Sean Tucker, even though Sean Tucker to me is the best running back, is probably in the conference, a top five running back in the in the country. Can't but do it all himself. You can't exactly can't do it all himself. And I think the only question is, like, do we think that Mike Norvell will actually kind of pick maybe Trey Benson to basically go a little more than the 10 carries or 12 carries that he gave Jason Corbin through the beginning of the year, even though he is coming back off the the lower leg injury?
0: Yeah. So it's it's an interesting year for Florida State at running back, because if you think back historically, like. I'm trying to think of the last time we had such a committee approach, I think, at the running back position. Um, I think it was like the Jermaine Thompson and Chris Thomas or Chris Thompson and Jermaine Thomas uh, year, which was, I want to say, 2007 or 2008. Um, You have four guys, at least in the mix here, who I think are going to get a good amount of carries. Rodney Hill, you mentioned. Yeah, I'm very high on him. And he was one of the players that bulked up substantially. And, and right out of high school, he got into fall camp and, and hit the ground running. And that dude looks a lot bigger quickly and apparently hasn't lost speed. But yeah, you know, we talk about Trey Benson as a potential bell cow type running back. But Treshawn Trey Ward proved last year that he was worthy of his carries. He in, We've talked about this ad nauseum in spite of Laughable run blocking last year along the offensive line, he was able to find holes and get to the second level and make defenses pay. And so I don't expect him to. I I would expect improvement. Or if you give us what we had last year out of Trayshawn Ward, if you give us the same Trayshawn Ward this year, that is fantastic. And it's a great compliment to Trey Benson. And you know Lawrence Stoevili, I think I think we have a good idea of what he is as. player on this roster. He's, he's fast. He is evidently just not going to put on the kind of weight we would expect to be shouldering a ton of carries, but he's going to be good in spots where he comes in fresh and he's just one of the fastest guys on the field at that time. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a good committee of players whose skills and attributes, I think, um, add something to the equation. I don't think you're going to see just Trey Benson getting a thousand carries and nobody else touching the ball.
1: Yeah, I don't think that either, and I think that's kind of the, how we have so much talent in that backfield. I think the comedy will be a doing a disservice to basically keeping all like you want your players to keep on fresh and like towards later yeah. ends of game, especially when we get in these t- these tighter contests. Have a late lead, like hey, let's run the clock a little bit more. I wax you with our solid running back. So then I kind of want to ask you, what is the goal that you have set for this 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 entire position group? Is it a yards total? Is it a, a yards total amongst all four of them? Or is it someone that basically breaking sort of basically
0: the, uh, the receptions rate, or
1: do we want to see a little more out of uh, all of them?
0: Well, you know, this, this dovetails interestingly with the conversation we had yesterday, I said, I wanted to see no less than 20, ideally 25 passes a game from Jordan Travis. We have this restocked room of receivers, which we'll get to next, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to see the receivers getting all of these targets. Jordan Travis dumping off to running backs. If our running backs are going to be capable pass catchers, that's again, going to add yet another dynamic to this offense. And one thing Mike Norvell was very good at at Memphis was using what he had at his disposal as best as possible. When he, when he trusted the running game, he went to the running game. When he thought the passing game was best, he went to the passing game. If, if these running backs are, are capable of catching the ball well, and if defenses aren't accounting for it, I would expect I would expect Mike Norvell to, to put an emphasis on making them pay. That said, what, what are my goals for this team? So I guess just vaguely, I want to see a concerted effort to throw in the ball to the running backs out of the backfield. Um, in terms of a numerical um, achievement, I would like to see, just like last year, we had two guys with 500 or more rushing yards. TreShaun Ward had 515, Jason Corbin had 887. I don't expect Trey Benson necessarily to be a thousand yard runner because we have a, a good committee, a good four plus running backs in here. So I would like to see again two guys with five hundred plus yards, and I would like to see the first of the two with—I don't know if I want to say exceeding Jay Sean Corbin's eight eighty-seven. Oh, that was that's total yards. Um, five hundred rushing yards for each, mm-hmm. and I would like to see one of the two with let's let's call it seven fifty. That'd make me happy.
1: I think that I I'm in the camp that I think Trey Benson is going to be the best running back we've had since Cam Makers' second season. I fully expect, and this is going to be like a goal, so that's kind of a little more of a a pushing kind of a hot take on territory. I think Trey Benson can total a thousand yards total when it comes to Ooh. basically 750 rushing and then actually maybe 250, maybe 300 receiving the ball. And I expect Trayshawn Ward to be around the 650, 700 mark as well. So to me. I expect from our two top backs to have around, with my math, around 1,800 total yards, 1,750 total yards. And to me, I think with this core group, that is easily attainable. And then also with the offense, you have to to, uh, keep Jordan Travis in in account when actually basically doing a lot of these play calling. So to me, I think that this running back group will be tops in the conference and then also basically helping our offense take the next step forward to – the eight wins that we believe should be attainable for this season.
0: Yeah, and and just to add to what you just said, it's funny you said 17 1800. Sean Corbin and Trayshon Ward last year combined for 1700 scrimmage yards. If you add Lawrence Toafili, which was their third leading rusher taking out Jordan Travis, you got to 2000 total scrimmage yards. So, I would like to see in light of me saying that I'd like to see a concerted effort to pass to the running backs break 1,800. I want to see more scrimmage yards from our top two running backs than we saw last year.
1: Okay, Dave. Yeah. We are now towards the end of today's show, and we will be remiss here. We're going to talk about our the our friends in the wide receiver room. Mm. We brought in four separate transfers. One of them, Winston Wright, we don't know whether they'll be ready for game one or even be ready for game six or ready for the season at all. So let's push them off to the side. Yeah. Why don't we talk a little more about our friends, Micah Pittman, Johnny Wilson DuSpan, and some of the old guard with Keyshawn Helton, Ontario Wilson. How do you feel about these, about this group? And also who do you see basically starting against Duquesne and
0: more importantly against LSU and Baton Rouge on Labor Day weekend? Okay. So the first thing I'm going to point out about Florida States receiving group last year was pull up the statistics of who led the team in receptions last year. It's a little alarming. Um, First on the team was, you want to guess? Ontario Wilson. Jay Sean Corbin, 25. Oh, God, no. 25 receptions led the team. Um, third was Cam McDonald with 24, or tied for second. Fifth was Sean Ward. So we had two receivers among the top five on the team in receiving, in terms of receptions. Andrew Parchman was one. He's no longer here. Ontario Wilson was the other with 23. That's not ideal um if you if only two of your receivers are among the top 5 on the team in receptions and the team leader in receptions had 25 that's a that's not good enough to get the job done and the leader on the team in receiving yards was 382 on Terry Wilson that's a that's a small total that's if if you're talking about making predictions for this year man it would be really tough not to predict that we'll have three plus guys with more receiving yards than our team leader last year. So yes, I am way more optimistic about the group going into this season from the guys that are coming back last year. I can't think of a better way to put it than you did yesterday, which is it or or last week. If you're having somebody like Ontario Wilson or Keyshawn Helton, as your like number three or number four receiver that you're depending on, you're in very good shape. I feel very good about the two of their positions on the team going into this season Agreed. without, without them having to be relied on as like our top options. Now we have a whole new group coming in. Uh, Deuce span might be the fastest player on the team. Johnny Wilson has e- seemingly every day um, been one of the top players in practice and in scrimmage. Um, and then obviously, like you said, Winston Wright, we'll see how he comes back from his injury, but he was one of the best receivers in the big 12 at West Virginia. Also a great uh, returner too. Right. Exactly. A great returner too, which obviously we're in desperate need of. If you've listened to this podcast at all, or watch any Florida state football uh, in the last few years. Uh, but y- you, you, would expect, I would expect two two of those guys, just two of the newcomers to have more receiving yards and more receptions than the team leaders last year. I would expect, somebody like Malik McLean and one or more of Ontario Wilson and Keyshawn Helton to, again, have more recept as many or more receptions and receiving yards as the team leaders did last year. It was just a bad year receiving for Florida state. And it, it creates a really interesting question for what you said of who are the starters? Well, there's a lot. We don't know. There's a lot. We're told there's a lot we've seen in practice and in scrimmage and we're told from practice and scrimmage, but we'll see what happens when the lights turn on. Um, because and I say that all to say, I, I thought Malik McLean would be our breakout player of the year this year. I still believe that. I still want to see Malik McLean starting at the wide receiver one position,
1: which he will. He's had apparently a very, very good fall mm-hmm. camp after a very lackluster spring.
0: Yeah. And, and it was good to see that out of him because obviously that made me worry. But Malik, yeah, McLean, that's a boy. That's
1: why <laughs> it is
0: to me. He's always been like the guy that could turn into the next Morian Terry. And I'm talking about the thousand yard Morian Terry. I, I, I've, I've seen the potential in, him. we all have, he, he's acrobatic. The dude can jump. The dude can run. If you can put it all together, like one of those rounds of golf, where you had a few good shots, but they never come together. If you can pull it all together this year, I could absolutely see, that was for Max. I could absolutely see him being uh, our Tamori Terry of this year. Um, I would like to see him starting, uh, like I said, uh, against a cane and, I don't know. I'd like to see the staff get creative with what they do. I mean, I would. I'd be happy seeing like uh, Johnny Wilson on the other spot outside, and uh, Micah Pittman at the slot. You, could I make- love,
1: I'd meet Micah Pittman to me is your is baby Debo Samuel. You need to put him in the slot. You need to have a lot more motion uh, routes with him too, out of the backfield too, because he's he's a bulldog in between the numbers right there. That's someone that basically he's gonna be a tough bring down.
0: Yeah, and it's funny he's he's one of the names I forgot to mention, and he could eventually end up being one of our highest impact players on the team overall, because he's going to impact the receiving game and he's certainly going to impact the return game that desperately needs him. But we're talking about receivers right now. And if you throw out a three of Malik McLean, Johnny Wilson, and Micah Pittman that just on the outside, you have the kind of height that Jimbo Fisher emphasized when he was here. And when he built his championship team, he, he was strongly of the position that your outside receivers need to be big they need to present size matchup problems for the defense. And those are the two guys that I don't care what defensive backfield you're going up against. They're going to present problems with their size. Then you got to worry about Michael Pittman all over the middle of the field.
1: I know. And then you see Johnny Wilson, who has six foot seven, like even if he's not your most consistent catcher, that's still someone you have to account for because you can't teach six foot seven. The way he moves his flexibility to as well, he's going to be probably your primary red zone target because I mean, was the average DB six foot one nowadays, maybe six six feet, maybe six feet, probably around there. And then six foot seven with that long wingspan to probably be around seven feet. To me, that's someone that I'm very excited to see actually how he's implemented. My only concern, and I kind of want to like wrap this up with you today about this, is these wide receivers didn't were not the most productive at the previous spots. Micah Pittman with injury, same thing with uh, Johnny Wilson at Arizona State. Deuce Span had five, although there are five really dope highlight reel catches at yeah. Illinois. Does that raise any concerns with you? Because we were relying on Winston Wright to be that productive transfer wide receiver.
0: Yes, and no. Um, here's the thing we're coming into this year in terms of with a receiving court that's basically minus Andrew Parchment. And had we not done what we did in the transfer portal, we would be rolling this year with basically what we came back with from last year. And I wouldn't feel good about that, but we've added, I think enough that we can sustain an injury or two and our worst case, and it's a bad case. Our worst case is that we end up in a position similar to where our receiving core was last year, except I still expect development from Malik McLean. And I don't expect all four of the newcomers, uh, to be injured for like the entire season or anything like that. Um, so if like Michael Pitt or Johnny Wilson, for example, were to miss time, If if Malik McLean has it has taken that next step, that'll matter an awful lot less. And I it's just unlikely, I think, that that all the newcomers are suddenly injured and we're back to the 2021 receiving core.
1: Yeah. And I think it's at the point where, like, you took four receivers. Yeah, one at least one of them kind of has to hit over at the end of the day. And like, I think that I know we get we give a lot of, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here? I guess um, when discussing Ron Dugan's, I guess, you know, tenure of on the staff. a lot, Thank you. A lot of flack. God, the the word whatever. We give him a lot of flack, basically, for his development of wide receivers. And also, you hear you know, his tenure down in Miami was sort of the same damn thing. But to me, it kind of feels like it's the perfect storm for him to kind of have a rebound about, like, being back on staff. Yeah. You hear how Keen Williams is trending in this direction. You, you see all the things about Johnny Wilson, Malik McClain appears to be developing so to mm-hmm. me i think this is the prime moment for dugans to basically do something because honestly if he doesn't he's not going to be here next year we already almost replaced him this past year with uh jawan cider or a penn state and for dugans it's simply just put up or shut up time but folks that's all we have for today thank you guys so much for like making locked on symbols listen each and every single day now dave will tell you what to do on the podcast level, and also the
0: YouTube instructions. The podcast, everybody, you can find anywhere you find your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple, iTunes Store. You can find us everywhere. And on YouTube, if you like this video, give us a like, let us know. Um, leave a comment. If, if you have any heavy-hitting thoughts on today's video, we read comments and questions regularly, and especially on mandatory Mailbed Mondays. Um, And don't forget to subscribe to the channel and ding the little bell over there at the top. And it'll let us know when it'll let you know when our videos drop. And always subscribe and folks, put your
1: comments down below who you feel will be the position group. Overall, we forgot to do a massive goal, but I think Dave said that we would have three receivers go over. I was at 373 yards from the past season. So folks put your comments down below. What are your goals for the running backs, the wide receivers? And as always, this was Drake. That was Dave, and we'll see y'all next time on Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody, and RIP Max. Go know. R.I.P. Max. R.I.P. Max.